Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 244. Happy birthday, Marika Turkey Soup. And I am your host and Shade Tree Outboard Motor Mechanic. And today, we are... 261 days, 18 hours, 1 minute, and 11 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. Yeah, so I've been working the past several days on and off on trying to get my outboard motor repaired and operable on my little fishing boat that I have. So I've replaced the carburetor, I've replaced the starter, I've replaced the spark plugs, I've replaced the fuel line, I'm replacing the fuel line connectors, and I still cannot get the engine to start. It's turning over now because of the new starter. It's got fuel in the carburetor because of the new fuel line. The old fuel line connectors are leaking, which is not preventing fuel from getting in the carburetor. And I'm not sure why I am not getting fire in the motor. So I've got another idea, and that's to look to see if there's any coil packs in the motor that might be bad or need to be replaced. So I've got to check that. But if any of you guys have any ideas on what the issue could be, I'm all ears. So let me know. I am nothing more than a shade tree mechanic. I'm the guy who likes to work on stuff with his hands because he works on stuff with his brain Monday through Friday. And I have several buddies who ask me, why don't you just take it to the shop and have them fix it? And the answer is, it would, it would be cheaper for me to do that and easier for me to do that. But I enjoy working on things like the outboard motor and the lawnmower and the chainsaw and different things that I have to work on with my mind and my hands to try to figure out what's going on with them. So I'll get it figured out and I'll get that thing running. Otherwise, I will take it to the shop before too terribly long. So today's episode is going to be fairly quick because I have a birthday party to go to today and I'm sure most of you guys do too. So what I'm telling you is that there's not going to be a lot of idle chatter for me today. And we're just jumping into the last backlog of turkey news that I need to share with you to bring you all up to date on what is happening in the wonderful world of wild turkeys and turkey hunting. Oh yeah, and I also have an interview with Steve Stoltz where he's going to tell us 
how his spring 2019 turkey hunting season was. But first up, Maine is proposing to expand their fall turkey season and bag limits in 10 different wildlife management districts across the state. So listen to this. According to this article, statewide about 5,000 hunters hunt fall turkeys and their Department of Inland Fisheries and Wildlife know that because they charge money for a permit to hunt wild turkeys in the fall. Hint, hint, Alabama, charge money for a permit to hunt turkeys in the spring in Alabama. That way you'll know how many turkey hunters you really have in the woods. It's a good idea and it's a way to make a little extra money. So the DIFW's proposal will expand Maine's fall turkey season to open on the Monday closest to the 17th of September and will run until November the 7th and it will increase the bag limit in nine wildlife management districts from two birds to five birds, either sex, and increase the bag limit from one bird to three birds and another WMD. DIFW is also proposing to change their regs to allow 10-gauge through 28-gauge shotguns and 410 bore size guns as well as lowering the shot size requirement to allow seven to nine shot in TSS. Now, that part of it, I completely get. But five birds, either sex, in the fall in nine different WMDs? Man, I understand there are only about 5,000 fall turkey hunters in the state, and I understand I'm not a biologist that lives and works in Maine. But all I can say is that I hope that the D IFW stays very nimble on the matter of an expanded season and bigger bag limit. They should be ready to change both of those back to the way it is now in the blink of an eye. Maine turkey hunters, if you want to know what a long season with high bag limit will do to your turkeys and turkey hunting, then come spend a week turkey hunting in Alabama this coming spring. I know having 5,000 fall turkey hunters kill five turkeys each is probably not going to put a huge dent into the population in Maine. But when that 5,000 fall turkey hunters turns into 10,000 fall turkey hunters who are able to kill five birds each, then you've got an issue. So the DIFW really needs to be nimble on that and be willing to change that back in a heartbeat. Okay, next up is Idaho. Any of you guys living and hunting in Idaho should know and act on a rule proposing to allow eight and nine-year-olds who hold an Idaho hunting passport to participate in some turkey hunts. Now, rules allow eight and nine-year-olds to purchase hunting passports, which is basically a document that allows people to purchase a discounted hunting license and try hunting before they take a hunter education class. I think that's a really smart thing personally. But passport holders are not permitted to purchase tags until they're 10 years old. So they can go hunting, they just cannot kill. But this rule change will allow these younger hunters to buy tags and actually participate and mentored hunting. So eight and nine year olds will actually be able to carry a gun and harvest animals if this rule passes and becomes law. So you guys in Idaho need to step up, call your legislators, call the people that matter to try to get this rule put in place. 
Now, for those of you guys who hunt in states where there are still trap and transfer programs underway, listen to what Utah's in the process of doing. So the Utah Wildlife Board has approved transplant sites for the next five years, and they are now mapping those sites. The map includes 267 locations where turkeys could be relocated. Now, 210 of those are to expand existing turkey populations, and 57 of those will be new areas for turkeys. Utah says that in the past, these restocking sites were only recorded in text format, but actually mapping these sites makes much more sense because of the increased detailed information provided. Pretty cool. And yeah, it makes sense. Great news from Pennsylvania. So the powers that be in the state of Pennsylvania reported there were zero hunting-related incidents in the spring 2019 season. Zero. That's a big deal. It's a big deal because there's some talk about expanding Sunday hunting in Pennsylvania. And those people who are against Sunday hunting will have one less argument about allowing Sunday hunting for wild turkeys because of hunting accidents. And I really doubt there would even be more hunting accidents on a Sunday than there would be on a Saturday. But maybe there would. So that's just a little bit more fuel for the fire for the Sunday hunters. And it's always a good thing to not have accidents while we're hunting. Don't you think? Indianans. Is that even right? Is that the right way to say that? Your DNR needs your help counting turkey broods. In fact, their goal is to collect 3,000 brood surveys from citizens around the state. And they want at least 25 of those surveys in each county. And you guys in Indiana have from July 1st through August 31st to get it done. In order to register as a 2019 volunteer, go to on.in.gov slash turkeybrood, one word, turkeybrood. There are instructions on the website about how to participate and how to get started and how to report. So go do it now that we've gone through some good news and some great news. We're going to touch on some bad news for Wisconsin turkey hunters and hunters in general. The Wisconsin National Guard has permanently closed the 7,300-acre hardwood bombing and gunnery range to hunting and fishing by the public because of changing Air Force regulations. But the Wisconsin DNR says, hey, this is no biggie because there are still two pieces of public land totaling about 100,000 acres open to hunters and fishermen just a few miles west of the hardwood bombing and gunnery range. But anytime we lose those federal lands or state lands that are open for hunting, it's bad news for us. Okay, so we're going back to good news again. North Carolina turkey hunters reported 18,730 turkeys harvested this past spring. That is just 189 turkeys below the state's all-time high of 18,919 turkeys reported in 2017. Now, most of the high harvest reported counties are in the eastern or coastal areas of the state, which is pretty much true for all the states along the Atlantic coast. And the western part of North Carolina's harvest numbers are down about 9% from last year. Hey, fall turkey hunters in Michigan, get your application in now for your fall permit. Apply online at 
mdnr-elicense.com. That's mdnr-elicense.com or anywhere hunting licenses are sold. You have until August the 1st to apply and then the results are going to be posted August 13th. Alabama turkey hunters reported 9,177 turkeys harvested in 2018 and in 2019 the harvest was, drumroll please, 9,628 turkeys reported. Sound the party horns. Okay, I'm going to read just a couple of paragraphs from this article because I think this exemplifies the problem that we have not only in Alabama, but in other parts of the Southeast as well. According to Alabama Wildlife and Fresh Water Fisheries Director Chuck Sykes, those numbers need to be viewed with caution. Statistically, that's not a big difference, Sykes said. That's not the number of turkeys that were killed in Alabama. That's the number that were reported. I think about three times that amount were killed both years. Last year, we estimated about 40% compliance with game check. This year, some of our estimates are up around 65%. So it depends on which guesstimate you want to go with. If it's 40%, we've probably got plenty of turkeys. If it's 65%, then yes, we have a problem. And we won't know until we get better compliance. For every call I get that says we don't have any turkeys, I get another call that says it's the best season they've ever had. Until we get concrete numbers, we have to do the best we can. Okay, so you guys know this is my home state. You guys now know that Chuck Sykes is the director of the Alabama Wildlife and Freshwater Fisheries in the state of Alabama. You guys know that this is a topic that gets me pretty fired up, but I'm not going to do that today. I'm not going to get fired up. So I just want to read a few words from Chuck Sykes' quotes. I think we estimated about some of our estimates are up, so it depends on which guesstimate we won't know until. It's a lot of uncertainty, isn't it? Hey Chuck, we can fix this uncertainty. Yes, time is going to help fix some of that, but the state of Alabama can do a better job informing turkey hunters that they need to report their harvests. The state of Alabama can do a better job of knowing how many turkey hunters we have. The state of Alabama can do a better job of surveying those turkey hunters once they know who they are to ask them how many did you kill what was your hunting season like were you happy with it and it can all be done very inexpensively in fact if the state will sell turkey permits then the dollars generated by selling turkey permits can go to fund all of the surveys and all of the data gathering that the state needs to do from its hunters Okay, so now I want to talk about some of the fuzzy math in Commissioner Sykes's comments in this article. So Commissioner Sykes in the article says he thinks that the actual harvest in Alabama is three times what was reported. So three times what was reported would be about 28,800 turkeys. But yet in the article, he goes on to say that last year the state estimated the harvest reporting participation rate to be around 40%, which would mean about two and a half times the turkeys that were actually reported would have been harvested. That would be about 24,000 turkeys. 
That's almost a 5,000 turkey difference. That's a lot of turkeys. But wait, there's more. He said they estimate that this year that the harvest reporting participation could be as high as 65%. So if 65% of successful turkey hunters in Alabama reported their harvest, then that means that 14,800 turkeys were harvested. So where do we stand? Did hunters in Alabama harvest almost 15,000 turkeys this year? Or did they harvest almost 30,000 turkeys this year? That is a huge, huge difference in harvest rates. So do you guys kind of sense my frustration here of what we seem to be dealing with, with managing what to me is a very valuable natural resource in the state of Alabama? All right, I'm off the soapbox. I told you guys I was not going to get fired up about it, and I'm not going to dwindle on it, but I am going to tell you that Mississippi turkey hunters reported a harvest of 12,644 wild turkeys in 2019. It's first year of mandatory harvest reporting, by the way. So in his first year of reporting, Mississippi hunters reported harvest numbers 30% higher than Alabama hunters reported in its third year of reporting. Why is that? I have a bunch of questions to ask about this disparity in reporting numbers in states with similar size, similar hunter and population demographics, turkey population estimates, etc., etc. But I'm not going to start because it gets me fired up and ain't nobody got time for that today. So let's move on because I want to share a call with you guys that I did with Steve Stoltz. I called Steve to check on him and his hunting season after it ended and well there's no reason for me to talk about it anymore. Let's roll the clip. Hey everybody, I'm glad to tell you I have on the line with me today Steve Stoltz and I'm calling and aggravating Steve this morning because I want to hear about his turkey season and hear how things went. And so, Steve, you were on the show really, I think it was the week before turkey season started in Alabama and Mississippi, and you were headed to Mississippi, if I'm not mistaken, right about the time that, that we were talking or that we talked. And so, first of all, how are you today? Oh, Good. Just tired. I worked at the fire station yesterday. Of course, I'm still a firefighter full time, and just had one of those nights where people needed 911. So. Oh goodness. <laughs> Any yeah. rate, but you know that's duty calls, and when people are in need, we go. So. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, so we talked, then that would have been back in March when when we last just uh, talked, probably mid March, I'm guessing. Yeah. It was. So how did your how'd your trip go to Mississippi? And then I want to hear about the rest of your season as well. So the, the trip to Mississippi was, uh, as always, it's, and I mentioned in, on your program then that, you know, it, it, Mississippi's kind of more of a family reunion trip for me. Right. And if it's good turkey hunting, then it's good, you know, and if not, not a big deal. But Mississippi turned out to be quite a challenge. Always is to go south dealing with you know birds that just are pressured a lot heavier than our midwestern birds yeah that being said the weather was probably the biggest deterrent in that i had beautiful spring turkey hunting weather the whole trip however we had just they had just experienced 
several weeks of tremendously bad weather. I'm talking cold, rain, wind, horrible conditions. And so I literally showed up when the weather, the, the day the weather broke, Yeah. which, which was, I, I went down there opening day of their season, did not hunt opening day. So I started my hunt the second day of Mississippi season. And let me tell you, when it's down in the in the twenties at night in southern Mississippi, it affects the turkeys gobble. <laughs> yeah. So good, clear, high pressure, but almost too cold and, and it, too much weather had just moved through. They just weren't in the in a good mood yet. Now I'm not making excuses because I did kill a turkey. I actually got on one either the se- I'm gonna say the third morning of the hunt, of a five day hunt, and I couldn't get them killed. And mainly because a dog came through. I was set up on him on the roost and he flew down and everything was going just like clockwork. And he was moving in my direction and he shut up abruptly like something just happened. And you knew something just happened. And within a minute or two, a, 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 an old hound dog come sniffling on through. Yeah. And so it shut him up. Long story, went out and tried to get on other turkeys later that morning came back by that spot I'm, you know now, now that I, now that i'm thinking about it i can't remember if it was late morning or early afternoon but it was we'll just say for lack of better terms midday uh-huh. and the guy i was with who and i'm guess my buddy howard howard who who i hunt with said let's let's stop and, and try that bird you were on earlier this morning and from the road i called and that turkey gobbled in the same exact spot that he was standing when that dog came through so literally wow. that dog shut him up but he didn't he didn't leave yeah and when he answered i i knew right where to get and the rest is history he 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 strolled right on in and and i was able to take him with a load of apexes just flat hammered him yeah and using a woodhaven red wasp mouth call so yeah pretty pretty cool hunt but that is the only turkey i got in on that whole trip that was the only one that cooperated and i and i, I can tell you if, if if it wasn't for that particular couple hunts with that one bird i wouldn't have had a hunt <laughs> right yeah if that makes sense so uh, rewarding trip great time with with great friends that i've loved and known for many many years but a turkey hunting I, even though i killed one it was was not phenomenal Exactly. It's that way oftentimes in early spring. I have a feeling you make that trip to Mississippi early spring most seasons, and so you're very familiar with that. But yeah, and, and go ahead. Right. Well, I, I I mentioned, and I know I mentioned in the in the, in the first show, and if I didn't, that heading south for a Midwesterner is is kind of an awesome deal because you're leaving usually leaving ice, snow, wintry conditions, yeah. and you, you literally drive into a different climate, different atmosphere. It's spring, is has sprung, you know, dogwoods are out, azaleas, redbud, you know, and it's dead of winter here here in southern Iowa during that time. So it's, uh, it's, it's a tremendous change in climate and just really cool to be able to start turkey hunting a month, you know, full month prior to your seat when your season comes in right yeah so so yeah yeah it's, it's an annual ritual that i look forward to um, every year and I, and I may have mentioned this on the earlier show too you, you get good at, at being successful with turkeys in the deep south such states such as alabama and mississippi in particular louisiana you can you can kill them anywhere i mean it, it usually gets easier so <laughs> i don't necessarily kind of, disagree with that yeah yeah 
kind of, to me, it just kind of, it just, you, you, you meet your worst conditions, your toughest to kill turkeys down there. And then it just kind of gets a little easier as you travel north. Not that any bird's easy. I always say the hardest bird to kill is your next one. But, <laughs> you know, you just don't know what challenges you're going to face with any bird. But certainly the Deep South has a tremendous amount of uh, challenges that, that you don't have to face when you're hunting most of the other Midwest. Yeah. What other states did you travel to this year? So I just hunted Missouri and then Iowa. So okay. next up was Iowa. Next up was Iowa. Uh, so I took a pretty long sabbatical as far as not uh, not being able to hunt. Went back to work and didn't start off till about April the 8th, which is when our Iowa first season came in. Again, tough hunt, tough weather conditions. Mm-hmm. Had a, a close friend of mine that I worked with for many years uh, pass away at a very young age. And so it was, it was unexpected. And of natural causes, just crazy, just dropped over, gone. Yeah. And it was right the, the Iowa first season is only four days long. The funeral was in St. Louis, and it, the funeral was the uh, the second day of that four-day hunt. So, needless to say, I did not get to hunt much that, that first season. But, uh, like Mississippi, I found the one turkey that threw in it. And, by the way, when I did get to really start hunting four season in Iowa after that funeral, it was tough weather conditions, cold windy they weren't goblin but i was able to hunt one of my food plots and get a gobbler killed that was roosted not far off the food plot is one of those spots where you think well now where if i don't know where turkey is where would i go and that was the spot on the farm and sure as heck there was actually two of them roosted off the corner of the food plot and i set up in the food plot and they got off the roost and came right into the food plot and i was able to, to take one so successful there and then next was missouri yeah well fantastic would you know you don't have to say i only hunted two other states that's <laughs> there there's no only there that's pretty strong so. <laughs> well missouri is a state and of course i grew up in missouri i was a missouri resident for practically all my well all my life i became an iowa resident in 2012 so but all my good, what I say, really, really good turkey hunting spots are still in Missouri through family and friends. And mm-hmm. every year I still do the media hunt with Brian Lovett with the National Wild Turkey Federation. If anybody reads, I'm sure a lot of your listeners right now have seen the articles that Brian writes in the National Wild Turkey Federation Turkey Country and on digital media on their web sites and their digital magazines and so i'm sure they've seen a lot of the articles of hunts that we've done together over the years brian and i have been hunting since together since uh late 90s i'm gonna say 1997 when we used to do the mad call outdoor rider hunts in in north central missouri with mark Dury, myself don chip and so brian has just continued no matter what company i've been with brian has continued to come hunt with me and we've put together a string of now i think 21 straight years where he's killed a turkey with me he's never came and hunted with me and not killed a turkey and by the way most times he can only come for three days there have been hunts where he was only able to come for two yet Mm -hmm. we have still we have still killed a turkey so i think that's a heck of a string actually that is a heck of a string yeah that's Um, impressive so brian came absolutely brian came and we started our hunt i had a cameraman with me to film for spur for spur brand and their digital web show Spur turkey television or spur turkey tv i don't know the exact 
title of it, but Spur Brand has just Google Spur Brand, and you'll it'll take you to their website where they have their turkey shows. Mm-hmm. So we had a cameraman with us by the name of a guy by the name of Denny Pittman, great guy. I used to film with me back in the Hunter Specialty days and the Outdoor Video Magazine days. Those two shows I was with, and Denny had really nothing to do that spring and and volunteered to come film brian's hunt for spur for the spur show so brian killed his turkey first morning awesome awesome hunt you know basically got up there i had hunted my boss and his brother the first two days of missouri season at at his farm and we had no luck we had a turkey i had two gobblers in within 60 yards of our position i wouldn't let him take the shot thought it was a hair too far and he had never this guy had never killed a turkey, so I didn't want his first experience with a turkey to be a bad one. Right. Although, and between you and me, I knew my gun would kill the turkey at 60 yards. I still didn't let him take the shot. I wanted the turkeys to come a little closer. So from there, no luck there. First two days of Missouri season, headed up, picked up Denny, and him and I went up to Missouri, north central Missouri, to scout for Brian Lovett. And literally the third day of Missouri season, we didn't even take a gun. We just scouted and listened and located turkeys, which turned out to be the biggest asset to us taking three turkeys on that trip because both turkeys that Denny located and turkeys that I located, we end up, in fact, setting up on hunting and, and getting them killed. So if anybody thinks the scouting is not important for even just turkey hunting, yeah. man, they are wrong because scouting <laughs> can be everything. Absolutely. It's huge. Oh, a, a great, great example is Brian Lovett's bird the first morning. The morning before when I was just scouting, so Denny and I divided and conquered. I put Denny on one part of the farm. I went to another part of the farm. We were miles apart from each other. I was, I'm very fortunate to know a landowner that has a very large track of land. Mm-hmm. And I get gained permission by virtue of the fact that him and I just are good friends. At any rate, so I'm on a different part of the farm, and so I mark my turkey location to where I get them located on on X, and then I'm able to also see the aerial view of where those turkeys are located. Start, you know, already start developing a game plan just by virtue of where they're gobbling at, where they're located, what the structure looks like, where they might head, where they might uh, go strut, things like that. So I'm getting a good idea where several gobblers are at, and I pull up to one part of the farm, and it's still early, still they're still in roost actually. So I'm 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 kind of hopping to different points on the farm quick on my truck, getting out, listening, getting back in the truck and going. But when it gets to a point to where I'm thinking they're about ready to fly down, that's when I'm going to take the scouting kind of even to the next step. And that is actually get out and glass and follow and listen where they're going, what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So I get to this point the farm, get out of the truck. They're gobbling really good. There's, uh, I'm going to say, down to me like three or four different gobblers on this one ridge. And I know they're getting ready to fly down. In fact, I'm not so sure if I didn't actually hear one fly out from the road. So I make the decision, since I know they're coming out of the limb, to go ahead and get right in with these turkeys and, 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 and see, just spend some time with them and see what they're doing. Yeah. So I drive oh, kind of around a half, half circle around where I don't spook them and come in kind of on the top side of them. And when I do that, I literally I drove a hair too far because when I, when I come up over a little rise there, they were out in this little opening, which I knew they probably were headed far in full strut. It wasn't just four, it was six long beards. Wow. And 
and they were all in full strut, and they had about a dozen hens with them. Now, typically and normally, I I don't choose to hunt that group of turkeys, and, and only because I prefer, especially if I, I got, I'm on crunch time and I've got somebody for a short time or if I'm on a short hunt, prefer to go hunt the birds that are off on their own or pairs as opposed right. to a flock yeah if you have that choice but anyway so i i stopped the truck and got my binoculars up and luckily lo and behold it was one of those where they just didn't see the truck when i popped over the little rise and i stopped quick enough where it never bothered any of the turkeys they just stayed out did their thing in fact i i, I sat in glass their behavior, where they did, where they went in the field, and how they moved. Watch a gobbler breed two different hens mm-hmm. right in front of me. So if you're in the Midwest, this is midweek, the first week. I want to say if I put a day on it, it's going to be about April 17th, somewhere in there. Okay. And this gobbler is actually breeding the hens. So kind of the long and short of that is, Andy, is I got pinned in. I couldn't move. I couldn't get out of the truck. I couldn't back the truck up. Right. I literally was stuck there to watch those turkeys and at their mercy for however long they were going to yeah. spend time breeding and, and, and doing their thing. So they did that. They went on probably after about an hour. So it was quite a long time. I actually texted my partner who I had dropped off. I texted him. I said, dude, it's going to be a while before I come back and pick you up. <laughs> and, and he understood. It was a nice morning. I mean, it was good weather. So I just watched them and then watched how they moved off the field. And when they when I got out of sight, then I went back, picked up my buddy. We compared notes and and we didn't just stop there, Andy. We 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 might have went and got a little bite to eat, but not at a restaurant. It was just you know like at like Casey's, and went right back out to scouting and looking and glassing and locating. And we did that all the way till one o'clock. We did not have any guns with us. We did not hunt, mm-hmm. but we. We, it was as if we were hunting, only without guns, and we got a lot more turkeys located. We, we located turkeys that were out uh, invisible 11 o'clock at 12 noon at different places, struck turkeys, struck birds uh, at that time. So that gave us a great game plan for the next three-day three hunt that Brian was in. So going back to Brian's hunt, we went out roosting that night, and it got real windy and kind of chilly, and they did not gobble on the roost. We could not get a turkey to gobble on the roost. So my game plan was just to go right and set up in that little field area where those turkeys were that I glassed for an hour the morning before, and that paid off. Those turkeys were roosted not far from the same spot. They didn't gobble much on a roost, but they did gobble, and they were right. we were right there on top of them. Flew down and came around to the AVNX decoys, and the uh, rest is history. Brian had his 21st year consecutive kill with me in North Missouri. That is too cool. That is awesome. Yeah, you know, I think you touched on that with the scouting, and I think it's so important, and even for those listeners who hunt the same pieces of property year after year after year and they think, okay, well, I know what these birds are doing. They do the same thing every year. Well, that may very well be the case, but we don't know what's changed on that property from either the end of deer season if we deer hunted it or the end of last turkey season until the start of this coming turkey season. And we also don't know what's happened on the neighboring properties that could affect the patterns and the movements, the roosting sites, the feeding areas of those turkeys. So scouting is a huge, huge help, even on those areas that we are extremely familiar with. 
there's two variables to take that chance. And to your point, even if you know the property very well, there's just too many variables. You're better off to spend a day or two listening, gla- listening, glassing, watching, patterning, spend time out there with turkeys. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, truly, that, that day that, that, that Denny Pittman and I spent scouting for Brian Lovett literally put three gobblers in our lap three days in a row. My gobbler the second day, was taken only because at 12 noon we had on our scouting day we had driven up up to one of the farms that I have permission to hunt and caught several longbeards out in the open with hens in this one section of the farm and I knew that by about midday on any day of this hunt later on we could probably catch those turkeys in and around that same area sure as heck had no I had no turkey down the second day see once Brian killed his turkey, I was in the barrel. Yeah. So, you know, we hunted hard and didn't get a turkey. Uh, another turkey killed the rest of that morning. Hunted hard the next morning and all the way till about 12 noon. Went to this spot knowing and hoping these turkeys would be there because of our scouting a few days prior and struck this bird and called him in and got him killed. Actually, I killed him at 12.49 p.m. and the Missouri season closes at 1 p.m. Yeah. So, I mean, just That's a awesome. beautiful hunt. And, and, yeah, and a hunt that would have never happened had we not scouted. Yeah. Would have never happened had we not scouted. And then, of course, Denny was in the barrel then. He had a tag. And I filmed him kill a beautiful gobbler. Once again, went to an area that we had struck birds on our scouting day. We went in there mid-morning. I'm going to say 9 o'clock in the morning. Called, and those birds answered in the same place worked their way in and we got one killed on film again thanks to that scouting day all all three birds dropped directly because we spent a day doing nothing but scouting and i would even say it's so important especially if you've got somebody coming and you don't want to really kind of take a bird before that person gets there Mm -hmm. even if you have a tag you may be better off just to scout and get some game plans together before you actually start hunt because when you get in your hunting mode you miss a lot of little things that you wouldn't nor- normally miss if you were just scouting right if that makes yeah no that that makes a lot of sense sure does well steve i've kept you longer than i told you i would keep you and i i have to apologize because i've played to your weakness which is my weakness as well and that's talking turkeys so <laughs> <laughs> well let's Let's just say I'm fresh back from the 2019 World Turkey Calling Championships oh, yeah. that were held in Mobile, Alabama. And I, I want to tell you, the old man is continuing his comeback strong. I made the finals in the World Championship out of, I think there were 18 or 19 of the world's best callers. He had to make the top 12. I made it, made it in there to the top 12 and ended up six points. From fifth place in the finals, very, very, very excited about the way I called. I did not place in the top five, but was very close. A guy by the name of Wayne Dozier from from Alabama, very good mm-hmm. caller. In fact, Wayne Wayne was in the top five in the Grand Nationals this year, so he's an up and call. He's been an up and coming, fantastic caller. He yes. won his first World Turkey Calling Championship. Everybody was everybody was very happy for Wayne, but I was just proud to be up there and still be calling with this top competition. Man, that's awesome. Just, I don't know how it slipped my mind, but I completely forgot about that. That was, uh, it wasn't this past weekend, but the weekend before. Is that correct? Yeah, it wasn't this past weekend that we just got through. It was the weekend before. Yeah. Father's Day, Father's Day weekend. That's right. It was held, preliminary round was Friday. 
week, a little over a week ago, and then the final was on Saturday, the day before Father's Day. And I think Terrence Williamson from Alabama won the World Friction Championship. Uh, Wayne Dozier won the World Open. Kenny Weiss Jr. won the World Owl Hooting Championship. And it was it was an amazing calling championship. And Mobile, Alabama is where the World Championship first uh, was held in 1943. I actually won the 50th annual World Turkey Calling Championship in 1993. And that was held in Birmingham, Alabama. But it's back down to Mobile. And what a fantastic venue. It'll be... There again next year on the second weekend of June. I don't know if it's Father's Day weekend that next year or not, but the same weekend in June next year. So pretty cool yeah. stuff. Yeah, no doubt. I'll have to put it on the calendar and get down there for that. That'll be fun. Yeah. So, yes, sir. Congratulations to you. That's awesome. And congratulations on a great turkey season as well. Oh, I appreciate it. Man, onward and forward. I, I'm, 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 I'm enjoying competing in these calling championships again, starting to do a lot better, scoring good, and uh, making it turkey. So you never know. Maybe, maybe I'll do a Tiger Woods-type comeback and win another major. I have no doubt that you've got it in you, so I can't <laughs> wait to see it happen. You bet. Appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. Steve, have a great day, and let's circle Thanks. back around again sometime soon to get you on for a longer interview. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right, buddy. Have a great day. Goodbye. Bye-bye. I hope you guys enjoyed that call with Steve. You know, I'm a little bit jealous of Steve and the guys like him. I really feel like I have a great deal of room for improvement in my calling skills. And I wish I had the time to devote to practicing to be a better caller because I feel like improving my calling skills would equate to another one or two turkeys per season. But when I don't have a good ear to pick up on minor differences in pitch and tone and I don't spend three to four hours per day practicing like those guys do, then I'm just going to get out of it what I put into it. And that's all I can expect. So until I start working on improving my calling ability, I have to continue to learn all I can learn about turkeys and woodsmanship in order to fill that gap and kill those extra one or two turkeys per season. And that is what I hope this show brings to you guys. Okay, that's all that I've got for you guys today. But before I cut you guys loose for the week, please do me a favor. Actually, do two favors for me. Number one, eat a lot of barbecue today. Number two, please go to your podcast player application that you listen to this show on and share this week's show via text message with two or three hunting buddies. It's a huge help for the show and I appreciate it very much. And I have to say thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.